My name is Simon Muema and my podcast today is about one of the great church fathers, early church fathers. I had a very hard time to pick uh, who I'm going to pit in this discussion and I'm talking about these three fathers are talking about the Holy Trinity and the scripture. These are two topics that even today in our church, in our ministry, in our parishes, we still are faithful. So question about the mystery behind the Holy Trinity and the scripture, whether people, the scripture we read today, whether it was inspired or, you know. And so my three early church fathers, I would start with the earliest one, St. Irenaeus of Lyon. Uh, the second one will be uh, St. Beso of Caesarea, who is also called St. Beso the Great. And then the the third one will be St. Augustine. I tried to uh, picture them in that format from the earliest one. And the second one, and you know, the youngest one is St. Augustine. We are talking about St. Irenaeus, who was born in 1935. And then Augustine, who comes like later in 350s like for the century. So I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to talk about their bio, biographies and, you know, the major works that they did and what they did and what they said about Holy Trinity and scripture. And I'm going to quote from the books, from the class, all the information, first of all, from the primary source, which is the reader, uh, followed by the, the Church Fathers, the book by Pope Benedict, then I had also something to say from the Wilkin, and I also had my other two secondary books. Uh, one of it is for uh, the Trinitarian Theology of St. Uh, Beso of Caesarea, uh, which I got it, one of the books from Dr. Monse. And I have another book that talks about Irenaeus, um, uh, written by Dennis Means. Uh, first of all, um, I would start with Irenaeus. Irenaeus of Leon was was born in here nine uh one thirty five between one thirty five to one forty. He was born in a you know as town in uh, modern Turkey, which they used to call it uh Smyrna in Ismail, Asia Minor. He was born. Uh, Irenaeus was born from a Christian family. Uh, you know, unlike the other guys or church fathers who convert when they are growing up. Um, Irenaeus was born from a Christian family. So uh, then it is said that Irenaeus went to a school that was founded by Polycarp. Polycarp is also from uh, the same, same region that Irenaeus is from. And, you know, after studying there, uh, he attended, after attending the school of Polycarp, which means, uh, you know, his faith, his strong faith was based from what he studied there. We have to understand uh, Irenaeus was really motivated because he knew Polycarp as a matter, uh, knew Apostle John. So that's something that motivated uh, Irenaeus. Um, so uh, Irenaeus, in the Polycarp school, he studied 
What did he study there? He studied theology and Christian faith and how to defend it against the heretics, whom we later uh, see on one of his great major works, which he wrote uh, against heretics. It is said it is here that he was moved by what he saw. And we have to understand by that time, there were so many, you know, heretics who were against, you know, the word of God or who were questioning about, you know, the, the father and the son and all that. And so um, it is really, you know, something moving to realize after Irenaeus finished his studies, he moved to from, you know, Asia Minor all the way to, you know, all the way to France, to Lyon. And, you know, what would you know, one would question, like, how would he move from all the way from Asia Minor back in those times? We are talking about the 1950s. Because we learned later that he was obtained as a bishop of Lyon in year 177. So he moved there, and we understand back then, when he went to Rome and he took some studies, he was obtained as a bishop in 177, and he went to southern France, Lyon, in present day that they call Gaul. There, we understand that he was one of major, you know, for, uh, you know, forerunner, like who studied Christian, early Christian communities there. It was in that time that, you know, we had a Stoic philosopher who is a Roman Empire by the name Marcus Aurelius, who used to, you know, torture and kill most of Christian. Actually, we understand that um, Irenaeus escaped death by the time he, he had to move from uh, Lyon to go to Rome, that he had to go there, he had some mission that he was going to do there. And then that time he escaped because he would have been killed. Um, so uh, Irenaeus, uh, you know, according to his biographies, he died in 200, between 200 and 202 in Gaul, which is present-day Lyon, South France. It says that, they say that there's no details how he died. Uh, although St. Jerome depicted that Irenaeus might have been died as a martyr, probably because Polycarp died, and he, you know, Polycarp influenced him, and we know how Polycarp died. Um, on his major work of, uh, against uh, heretics, uh, the reader, the, the textbook, the reader, compiled by Dr. Monse on chapter 2, pages, uh, page, one that, uh, page that 1, on the topic of St. Irenaeus of Lyon, the proof that heretics follow neither the scripture nor tradition. So he's talking about how heretics, they neither follow the scripture or the tradition of the faith. Irenaeus says, indeed, when they are exposed by means, by means of scripture, they turn around and make accusation against the scripture themselves, as if this were not correct or were not authentic, and stated, th and stated things variously that cannot be found in them, whom they are ignorant of the tradition. So he said, these heritages cannot be trusted. St. Irenaeus in chapter 6, in his major work, also um, proved that, uh, proof that the scripture, no one else is called God or Lord, but the only one true God in his word. The reader page, 
38, Irenaeus is quoted in his own work. He says, Therefore, neither the Lord, nor the Holy Spirit, nor the Apostle would precisely and absolutely ever have the same God who is God, unless he was truly God. So there's nothing else. Um, one of the books that I got from the library that was recommended by Monse about Irenaeus, uh, written by a guy called Dennis Menes. He talks about, on page 55, explain about knowing God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as a true unity that cannot be separated. Those three cannot be separated. Dennis attempts, attempts to theologically reconcile the belief of the oneness of God with the belief in a one divine trinity. Dennis explains the Council of Nicaea back in 325 rested that case and that the Son, the Father and the Son were of the same substance, putting all those Arianism on a cold space. Dennis also in his book, Irenaeus, which talks about knowing God through the scripture. In John chapter 14 verses 9, that Christ said to Philip, Jesus Christ said to Philip, he who has seen me has also seen the Father. He who sees me sees him who sent me. Then we proceed to chapter John, uh, chapter 8, verses 9. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. So that was about uh, St. Irenaeus of Leon. Let's go now to Bessel of uh, uh, St. Bessel the Great or the uh, it's also known as Beso of Caesarea. He's one of the great Cappadocian fathers. He was born in 330 uh, AD in Caesarea in Asia Minor. Beso is said to have been born in a family of saints. Why do we say he was born in a family of saints? Because Bessel, uh, from the book of the Benedict, uh, Benedict on his homily, equals in page uh, 69 to 70. One of his uncles, he says one of uh, said Bessel, his uncle was a bishop, and also his two brothers, uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa and Peter of Sebaste, they were both bishop. They also talks, Benedict in his homily talks about uh, one of his, uh, one of, what was sister of uh, St. Bessel, who is called Macrina. She became a nun and later became a bess. I would think like a bess is like Mother Superior of our community or community of nuns. Uh, so we hear when Bessel was 10 years old in 319, you know, that is time when Arius, Arius and his bishop Alexander started to dispute the standard of son, son and the father. They were not of the same substances. You know, you know this is the time when he's growing up and he's hearing that. So we can see like he was very distracted by hearing uh, this kind of belief or Aryan uh, creed. So the Bessel, Bessel was in, interested so much to learn Greek, logic, rhetoric, and literature, which he went to persuade them in Caesarea and also in Constantinople. So one of the books that I picked and recommended by Monse from the library, it is a book by the name The Trinitarian Theology of Bessel of Caesarea, which is also a subtopic is a synthesis of Greek thought and biblical truth. On page 19, 
after receiving his first schooling in Kayseria around uh, 350 to uh, 51 Beso moved to study rhetoric uh, in Constantinople and then he proceeded to uh, Athens so after his studies Beso returned back home to teach rhetoric it seems like his life changed a lot his spirit the spirit of god was with him Beso after he studied in Athens he, there it is where he met Saint Gregory of Nazianzus uh, and they became friends um so this men of great faith that he met in Athens Saint Gregory and Eusebius it seems that they changed his life so when he came back to uh to his home also living with his sister Macrina he, they influenced him and Beso started to have to develop an inclination in ascetic life. Saint Beso started to live a monastic life and also visited Egypt where he also felt encouraged to live a monastic life. He was also Beso fought against Arianism and united those who were against it and those who were semi Arianism under one banner of you know three person or hypostasis. Beso became the bishop of Caesarea. As it pertains to the nature of the Trinity, Beso also says, if we are now satisfied with this argument, now the only begotten, the next top step would be speak about the palacroid, not by following the adequation of options of magnitude, but by guarding the teaching of the saints in all matters. Since we learn from the saints that the Holy Spirit is the third dignity and in the rank, we have come to believe that there is the third in nature as well. The book of Rida on page 185 on the Holy Spirit, this goes to explain how Bessol in his work explained the Son is second to the Father and in rank. And no matter what rank the Son is, he proceeds from Father and they are of the same substances. This one divinity in both of them became where the son proceeds from his father, so they are of the same substances. This argument, Albinus, on page 187, Bezos says, So then, what is the point of argument? If this is something second or that in a rank dignity, it does not in every sense mean they are different. So, for in the case of angels, he says, one is a prince, another one is a servant, yet they are all angels in nature. Now, our Pope Benedict on his homily about the church fathers, on, about St. Beso on page 71, Pope Benedict says that the liturgy of summit towards which the activity of the church is directed and also found from which all power flows that is Sacrantus sac Concilium number 10. Pope Benedict explains how St. Basil was a liturgical reformer who had a constant concern to charitable and work uh, all, you know, all mark of faith. Benedict says Basil gave us a great Eucharistic prayer, which has given us a fundamental order to prayer and praying psalms, which even today, most of religious communities or seminaries, even people, persons, they pray pri private. Uh, 
on my third saint uh, about Trinity and prayer, Saint Augustine of Ipo. We know Saint Augustine of Ipo uh, was born in North Africa in a, a town called Agaste, which are present today Algeria, northern part of Africa, on 13 November 1354. His parents were Monica and Patricia's. He had uh, a brother and a sister, but now we, learned, we understand his parents of uh, African Roman uh, Empire, they, were really, they valued education so much, so they took their son Augustine to study in Carthage, in Augustine and later in Carthage. Augustine, you know, learned more about rhetoric and science, and he fell in love with science. Uh, he also later moved, he started teaching science after he finished his studies. And later he moved to Milan, where, uh, you know, his in conversion and everything took place. So we learn in, a conversion, uh, in his conversion about the city of God against Manichaean and Pelagius from his homily on his church father's book, uh, page 167, Pope Benedict reversed Benedict as the man of passion and faith of the highest intelligence and tireless in his pastoral care and great saint and pastor of the church. His passion, study, science, and philosophy, and classical literature. Then Bible at lunch helped reconcile faith and reason in a very special way. St. Augustine is a well-known saint from uh, ventured in a much in a worldly pressure. We know that Augustine, how he was so you know, attracted and lived a worldly pressure. He enjoyed everything. But we also see him, you know, converted. He was very little and he showed us how as a human being, although we can be, you know, stuck in a sinful life, but crying for the mercy of God, praying God, you know, asking God for help, we see how God's spirit works in a very mysterious way. How Augustine was converted and today we see him a saint and a model in a, a modern, you know, society we live. On his homily, Pope Benedict said on page 69, St. Augustine was, he was convinced that without Jesus, the truth cannot be said effectively to have been found. And since Jesus' name was not mentioned in his book, immediately after he read it, he began to read scripture, the Bible. Augustine's conversion, you know, book three, uh, uh, section four and seven, he says, the book changed my feelings to the extent that everything, every pain of became empty to me and I longed for the importance of wisdom. Uh, this brought us to this work, uh, his work in, you know, book 10 about the city of God. Uh, where we get from the reader, uh, page 11, where Augustine explained the divine simplicity, where he talks about oneness of three persons. We call this the Father and the Son and the... And both together with the Spirit are one God. And the Spirit, the Spirit of Father and the Son is called the Holy in the sacred scripture. There is no distinctive at all. They are all united. The first thousand years by Wilkin on page, the book of the the book by Wilkin, the first thousand years, uh, page nine talks about the city of God as an Augustine of Ipo puts in the city of God 
must join hands with the earth city to win the battle of evil, to let God's kingdom reign. Wilkin contains the city of God yearns for the fulfillment that will be brought to the perfection by God at the end of the time. So, uh, with all this, uh, let's talk about one of the saints who talked about the prayer. St. Basil, I chose between those three saints, I decided to choose St. Basil or the scripture because the book about his book, the, the book by uh, Stephen on the theology, on the Trinitarian theology of Basil of Caesarea, he talks about on page 102, he talks about the subject of Basil, uh, St. Basil on the scripture, which is a synthesis of Greek thought and biblical a truth. Basil has left a celebrated exameron, 13 homilies on the Psalms, and some 25 other homilies on various topics on a scriptural passages, which we all of them nourish our souls, and that's for God's words. It is said that Ambrose used Basil's examens uh, not because of its quantity, but because of the quantity, quality contained on those psalms, which also helped enlighten our liturgy of ours, which we all cherish today. We pray them in the morning prayers, evening prayers. Basil was seen to be very much involved and, you know, he enlightened and, you know, promoted this liturgy of ours. Whosoever prays this liturgy of ours knows the benefit and the grace that they come with them every morning and the evening. That is Basil chapter uh, 102 to 103. Um, now, last but not least, as it was said in his bibliography, Basil was born from a very strong and staunch Christian family. The word of God and biblical foundation was already laid in their families. Being surrounded by a strong Christian family, he was rich in prayer and the word of God. We see there was a spirit of God that inspired him. When he went to Greek, when he went to study Greek uh, in Athens, to study philosophy, the, uh, to study theology and everything, this is a guy who came back and he went to the deserts of Africa to visit monasteries. So we see the word of God was very rich in his life. He lived a very... A, you know, a very rigorous monastic, very rigid, ascetic monastic life that the word of God was very enriched in him. Uh, out of all my works, um, I got, these are my uh, bibliographies. I got it from Wilkin, uh, Macon, Vincent, David, a uh, Roman uh, Pope Benedict book, Dennis means uh, knowing one God, uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit. I also edit from Stephen Hilden, the Trinitarian Theology of Basel. I also took it from the reader, and also I had part of it from Wilkin. All these guys, they complimented each other uh, about the Trinity, how we cannot separate uh, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all together as one. They all form the same substance. Substance, 
and also they talked about uh, the power of prayer, the scripture, and as word of God and truly inspired by God through his son Jesus Christ and his spirit because it is through the Holy Spirit that we can dis read the word of God, discern the word of God and let that word of God, you know, uh, be fruitful in our lives. And is it is it those two topics, Holy Trinity and Scripture, are they what are they really uh, relevant in our today's ministry? Very much they are. How do they impact our lives? If we live the gospel and we understand the Trinity very well as we go in our daily ministry or when we get ordained as priest, these are the same same question that we may encounter. In our youth group, in our parishes, we are people we, repre uh, we represent us with totally difficult, difficult questions. And it's okay when a parishioner comes and asks us about what is mystery behind the Holy Trinity. How do we understand about the Father and the Son? What is the origin of the Son? Is it true about this and that? Are they of the same substance? Then you can take them, you can give them a basic explanation. You can explain that about, you know, the cancer of Nicaea, how it was decided, how the discussion was, how controversy was. It doesn't have to explain that. Thank you so much. My name is Simon Muema, and my podcast today is about one of the great church fathers, early church fathers, I had a very hard time to pick uh, who I'm going to pit in this discussion. And I'm talking about, these three fathers are talking about the Holy Trinity and the scripture. These are two topics that even today in our church, in our ministry, in our parishes, we still have faithful so question about the mystery behind the Holy Trinity and the scripture, whether people, the scripture we read today, whether it was inspired or, you know. And so my three early church fathers, I would start with the earliest one, St. Irenaeus of Lyon. Uh, the second one will be uh, St. Beso of Caesarea, who is also called St. Beso the Great. And then the, the third one will be St. Augustine. I tried to uh, picture them in that format from the earliest one and the second one. And, you know, the youngest one is St. Augustine. We are talking about St. Irenaeus, who was born in 1935, and then Augustine, who comes like later in 350s like for the century. So I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to talk about their bio, biographies and, you know, the major works that they did and what they did and what they said about Holy Trinity and scripture. And I'm going to quote from the books, from the class, all the information, first of all, from the primary source, which is the reader, uh, followed by the, the church fathers, the book by Pope Benedict, then I had also something to say from the Wilkin, and I also had my other two secondary books. Uh, one of it is for uh, the Trinitarian theology of St. Uh, Beso of Caesarea, uh, which I got it 
one of the books from Dr. Monse. And I have another book that talks about Irenaeus, um, uh, written by Dennis Means. Uh, first of all, um, I will start with Irenaeus. Irenaeus of Leon was, was born in here in uh, 135, between 135 to 140. He was born in a, you know, a town in uh, modern Turkey, which they used to call it uh, Smyrna in Ismail, Asia Minor. He was born, uh, Irenaeus was born from a Christian family. Uh, you know, unlike the other guys or church fathers who convert when they are growing up, um, Irenaeus was born from a Christian family. So uh, then it is said that Irenaeus went to a school that was founded by Polycarp. Polycarp is also from uh, the same, same region that Irenaeus is from. And, you know, after studying there, uh, he attended, after attending the school of Polycarp, which means, uh, you know, his faith, his strong faith was based from what he studied there. We have to understand uh, Irenaeus was really motivated because he knew Polycarp as a matter, uh, knew Apostle John. So that's something that motivated uh, Irenaeus. Um. So, uh, Irenaeus, in the Polycarp school, he studied, what did he study there? He studied theology and Christian faith, and how to defend it against the heretics, whom we later uh, see on one of his great major works, which he wrote uh, against heretics. It is said, it is here that he was moved by what he saw. And we have to understand by that time, there were so many, you know, heretics who were against, you know, the word of God or who were questioning about, you know, the, the father and the son and all that. And so um, it is really, you know, something moving to realize after Irenaeus finished his studies, he moved to from, you know, Asia Minor all the way to, you know, all the way to France, to Lyon. And, you know, what would... You know, one would question, like, how would he move from all the way from Asia Minor back in those times? We are talking about the 1950s. Because we learned later that he was obtained as a bishop of Lyon in year 177. So he moved there, and we understand back then, when he went to Rome and he took some studies, he was obtained as a bishop in 177. And he went to southern France, Lyon, in present day that they call Gaul. There, we understand that he was one of major, you know, for, uh, you know, forerunner, like who studied Christian, early Christian communities there. It was in that time that, you know, we had a Stoic philosopher who is a Roman Empire by the name Marcus Aurelius, who used to, you know, torture and kill most of Christian Actually, we understand that um, Irenaeus escaped death by the time he, he had to move from uh, Lyon to go to Rome, that he had to go there, he had some mission that he was going to do there. And then that time he escaped because he would have been killed. Um, so uh, Irenaeus, uh, you know, according to his biographies, he died in 200, between 200 and 202. 
in Gaul, which is present-day Lyon, South France. It says that they say that there is no details how he died. Uh, although Saint Jerome depicted that Irenaeus might have been died as a martyr, probably because Polycarp died, and he, you know Polycarp influenced him, and we know how Polycarp died. Um, on his major work of against uh, heretics, uh, the reader, the the textbook, the reader compiled by Doctor Monse on chapter two, pages, uh, page one that uh, page that one. On the topic of Saint Irenaeus of Lyon, the proof that heretics follow neither the scripture nor tradition. So he's talking about how heretics they neither follow the scripture or the tradition of the faith. Irenaeus says, indeed, when they are exposed by means by means of scripture, they turn around and make accusation against the scripture themselves, as if this were not correct. Or were not authentic, and stated th and stated things variously that cannot be found in them, whom they are ignorant of the tradition. So he said, these heretics cannot be trusted. Saint Irenaeus in chapter six in his major work also um, proved that uh, proved that the scripture, no one else is called God or Lord but the only one true God in his word. The reader page 38, Irenaeus is quoted in his own work, is said, Therefore, neither the Lord, nor the Holy Spirit, nor the Apostle would precisely and absolutely ever have the same God who is God, unless he was truly God. So there's nothing else. Um... One of the book that I got from library that was recommended by Monse about Irenaeus, uh, written by a guy called Dennis Menes. He talks about, on, on page 55, explain about knowing God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as a true unity that cannot be separated. Those three cannot be separated. Dennis attempts attempts to theologically reconcile the belief of the oneness of God with the belief in a one divine trinity. Dennis explains the Council of Nicaea back in 325 rested that case and that the Son, the Father and the Son were of the same substance, putting all those Arianism on a cold space. Dennis also in his book, Irenaeus, which talks about knowing God through the scripture. In John chapter 14, verses 9, that Christ said to Philip, Jesus Christ said to Philip, He who has seen me has also seen the Father. He who sees me sees him who sent me. Then we proceed to chapter John uh, chapter 8, verses 9. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. So that was about uh, St. Irenaeus of Leon. Let's go now to Beso of uh, uh, St. Beso the Great, or the, uh, it's also known as St. Beso of Caesarea. He's one of the great Cappadocian fathers. He was born in 330 uh, AD in Caesarea in Asia Minor. Beso is said to have been born in a family of saints. Why do we say he was born in a family of saints? Because Beso, uh, from the book of the Benedict, uh, Benedict on his homily, 
equals in page uh, 69 to 70. One of his uncles, he says one of uh, St. Basil, his uncle was a bishop, and also his two brothers, uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa and Peter of Sebaste. They were both bishops. They also talks, Benedict in his homily talks about uh, one of his, uh, one of, what was sister of uh, St. Basil, who is called Macrina. She became a nun and later became a bess. I would think like a bess is like mother superior of our community or community of nuns. Uh, so we hear when Basil was 10 years old in 319, you know, that is time when Arius, Arius and his bishop Alexander started to dispute the standard of son, son and the father. They were not of the same substances. You know, you know, this is the time when he's growing up and he's hearing that. So we can see like he was very distracted by hearing uh, this kind of belief or Arian uh, creed. So the Bessel, Bessel was in, interested so much to learn Greek, logic, rhetoric, and literature, which he went to persuade them in Caesarea and also in Constantinople. So one of the books that I picked and recommended by Monse from the library, it is a book by the name The Trinitarian Theology of Bessel of Caesarea, which is also a subtopic is a synthesis of Greek thought and biblical truth. On page 19, after receiving his first schooling in Caesarea, around uh, 350 to uh, 51, Bessel moved to study rhetoric uh, in Constantinople and then he proceeded to uh, Athens. So after his studies, Bessel returned back home to teach rhetoric. It seems like his life changed a lot. His spirit, the spirit of God was with him. Bessel, after he studied in Athens, he, there it is where he met St. Gregory of Nasiansus, uh, and they became friends. Um, so this man of great faith that he met in Athens, St. Gregory and Eusebius, it seems that they changed his life. So when he came back to, uh, to his home, also living with his sister Macrina, he, they influenced him and Bessel started to have to develop an inclination in ascetic life. St. Bessel started to live a monastic life and also visited Egypt where he also felt encouraged to live a monastic life. He was also, Bessel fought against Arianism and united those who were against it and those who were semi-Arianism under one banner of, you know, three-person or hypostasis. Bessel became the bishop of Caesarea. As it pertains to the nature of the Trinity, Bessel also says, if we are now satisfied with this argument, now the only begotten, the next top step would be speak about the palacrate, not by following the adequation of options of magnitude, but by guarding the teaching of the saints in all matters. Since we learn from the saints that the Holy Spirit is the third dignity and in the rank, we have come to believe that there is the third in nature as well. The book of Rida on page 185 on the Holy Spirit, this goes to explain how Bessel in his work explained the Son is second to the Father and in rank. And no matter what rank the Son is, 
he proceeds from father and they are of the same substances. This one divinity in both of them became where the son proceeds from his father, so they are of the same substances. This argument, Albinus, on page 187, Bezos says, So then, what is the point of argument? If this is something second or that in a rank dignity, it does not in every sense mean they are different. So, for in the case of angels, he says, one is a prince, another one is a servant, yet they are all angels in nature. Now, our Pope Benedict on his homily about the church fathers, on, about St. Beso on page 71, Pope Benedict says that the liturgy of summit towards which the activity of the church is directed and also found from which all power flows, that is Sacrantus sac Concilium number 10, Pope Benedict explains how St. Basil was a liturgical reformer who had a constant concern to charitable and work uh, all, you know, all mark of faith. Benedict says Basil gave us a great Eucharistic prayer, which has given us a fundamental order to prayer and praying psalms, which even today most of religious communities or seminaries, even people, persons, they pray private uh, on my third saint uh, about Trinity and prayer, St. Augustine of Ipo. We know St. Augustine of Ipo uh, was born in North Africa in a, a town called Agaste, which are present today Algeria, northern part of Africa, on 13 November 1354. His parents were Monica and Patricia's. He had a brother and a sister, but now we we understand his parents of uh, African Roman uh, Empire. They were really they valued education so much, so they took their son Augustine to study in Carthage, in Augustine and later in Carthage. Augustine, you know, learned more about rhetoric and science, and he fell in love with the science. Uh, he also later moved. He started teaching science after he finished his studies. And later he moved to Milan, where, uh, you know, his conversion and everything took place. So we learn in, a conversion, uh, in his conversion about the city of God against Manichaean and Pelagius. From his homily on his church father's book, uh, page 167, Pope Benedict reversed Benedict as the man of passion and faith of the highest intelligence and tireless in his pastoral care and great saint and pastor of the church. His passion, study, science and philosophy and classical literature. Then Bible at lunch helped to reconcile faith and reason in a very special way. St. Augustine is a well-known saint from uh, ventured in a much in a worldly pressure. We know that Augustine, how he was so you know, attracted and lived a worldly pressure. He enjoyed everything. But we also see him, you know, converted. He was very little and he showed us how as a human being, although we can be, you know, stuck in sinful life, but crying for the mercy of God, praying God, you know, asking God for help, we see how God's spirit works in a very mysterious way. How Augustine was converted and today we see him a saint and a model in a, a modern, you know, 
society we live. On his homily, Pope Benedict said on page 69, St. Augustine was, he was convinced that without Jesus, the truth cannot be said effectively to have been found. And since Jesus' name was not mentioned in his book, immediately after he read it, he began to read scripture, the Bible. Augustine's conversion, you know, book 3, uh, uh, section 4 and 7, he says, the book changed my feelings to the extent that everything, every pain of became empty to me and I longed for the importance of wisdom. Uh, this brought us to this work, uh, his work in, you know, book 10 about the city of God, uh, where we get from the reader, uh, page 11, where Augustine explained the divine simplicity where he talks about oneness of three persons. We call this the Father and the Son and the and both together with the Spirit are one God. And the Spirit, the Spirit of Father and the Son is called the Holy in the sacred scripture. There is no distinctive at all. They are all united. The first thousand years by Wilkin on page the book of the the book by Wilkin, the first thousand years. Uh, page 90 talks about the city of God as an Augustine of Ipo puts in the city of God must join hands with the earthy city to win the battle of evil, to let God's kingdom reign. Wilkin contains the city of God yearns for the fulfillment that will be brought to the perfection by God at the end of the time. So, uh, with all this, uh, let's talk about one of the saints who talked about the prayer. St. Basil, I chose between those three saints, I decided to choose St. Basil on the scripture because the book about his book, the, the book by uh, Stephen on the theology, on the Trinitarian theology of Basil of Caesarea, he talks about on page 102. He talks about the subject of Basil, uh, St. Basil on the scripture, which is a synthesis of Greek thought and biblical uh, truth. Basil has left a celebrated exameron, 13 homilies on the Psalms, and some 25 other homilies on various topics on our scriptural passages, which we all of them nourish our souls, and that's for God's words. It is said that Ambrose used Bessel's examens uh, not because of its quantity, but because of the quantity, quality contained on those psalms, which also helped enlighten our liturgy of ours, which we all cherish today. We pray them in the morning prayers, evening prayers. Bessel was seen to be very much involved, and, you know, he enlightened and you know, promoted this liturgy of ours. Whosoever praise this liturgy of ours knows the benefit and the grace that they come with them every morning and the evening. That is Basel chapter uh, 102 to 103. Um, now, last but not least, as it was said in his bibliography, Basel was born from a very strong and staunch Christian family. The word of God and the biblical foundation was already laid in their families. 
Being surrounded by a strong Christian family, he was rich in prayer and the word of God. We see there was a spirit of God that inspired him. When he went to Greek, when he went to study Greek uh, in Athens, to study philosophy, to study theology and everything, this is a guy who came back and he went to the deserts of Africa to peace in monasteries. So we see the word of God was very rich in his life. He lived a very, you know, a very rigorous monastic, very rigid ascetic monastic life that the word of God was very enriched in him. Uh, out of all my works, um, I got, these are my uh, bibliographies. I got it from Wilkin, uh, Macon, Vincent, David, uh, Roman uh, for Benedict book, Dennis means uh, knowing one God, uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit. I also edit from Stephen Hilden, the Trinitarian Theology of Beso. I also took it from the reader, and also I had part of it from Wilkin. All these guys, they complimented each other uh, about the Trinity, how we cannot separate uh, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all together as one. They all form the same substance. Substance. And also they talked about uh, the power of prayer, the scripture, and as word of God and truly inspired by God through his son, Jesus Christ, and his spirit, because it is through the Holy Spirit that we can dis read the word of God, discern the word of God, and let that word of God, you know, uh, be fruitful in our lives. And... Is it, is it those two topics, Holy Trinity and Scripture, are they, what, are they really uh, relevant in our today's ministry? Very much they are. How do they impact our lives? If we live the gospel and we understand the Trinity very well as we go in our daily ministry or when we get ordained as priest, these are the same, same question that we may encounter. In our youth group, in our parishes, we are people we, uh, we represent us with totally difficult, difficult questions. And it's okay when a parishioner comes and asks us about what is mystery behind the Holy Trinity. How do we understand about the Father and the Son? What is the origin of the Son? Is it true about this and that? Are they of the same substance? Then you can take them, you can give them a basic explanation. You can explain that about, you know, the cancer of Nicaea, how it was decided, how the discussion was, how controversy was. It doesn't have to explain that. Thank you so much.